Welcome to the Puck Fortland Podcast. Puck Fortland Podcast is now available on iTunes. Go to iTunes and look for the Puck Fortland Podcast and subscribe. Also, all music that you hear on the Puck Fortland Podcast is brought to you by Fur Family from Tucson, Arizona. YouTube search for blah, blah, blah. YouTube, YouTube, really. YouTube search for family. Uh, songs like Evil, Goosebumps is the one you hear a lot. Uh, Airplanes and Cigarettes is another one that you hear on here. Um, nothing available yet uh, for sale, but look for that shortly on the Puck Fortland podcast. Uh, look out for the Fur Family, but all that music is done out of Tucson, Arizona from our friends from Fur Family. This episode of the Puck Fortland podcast is brought to you by Rodacious Desserts. Rodacious is based out of Portland, Oregon. They are vegan, gluten-free cheesecake and desserts. They have the R-Bar. They have their minis, which is a mini cheesecake dessert. And they also have, um, you can place orders by the slice or by the a whole pie. You can get a whole cheesecake uh, online. Uh, go check them out, guys. This is some of the tastiest, healthiest handcrafted foods in Portland. Um, and they're freaking delicious. They're going to blow your socks off. When you think of cheesecakes, you think of like heavy East Coast. You know, you eat like half a piece. You're drinking like four pots of coffee with it. Uh, and it just weighs you down like real old-fashioned cheesecake. These cheesecakes are not like a, that at all. You can be a vegan. You can be a vegetarian. Or you can be like a badass meat eater. Uh, go out there and kill your elk and kill whatever it is you're out there killing. I don't know how you're killing it, but these cheesecakes even go great with that. So don't think just because you know you think it's some pussy ass vegan treat, uh, it's not. It's not at all. You're the pussy for not trying it, buddy. Um, but but it's super good. I mean, these things are the most delicious treats I've had uh, ever. Uh, also, you know, inquire if you're into cycling or into outdoor activity and looking for like an energy bar. Uh, instead of going with the other major labels or brands, you can get uh, Rodacious's R Bar uh, here in Portland, Oregon. They're awesome. I'd highly recommend them. They're all, you know, all organic, all nut based. They're sweetened with a little bit of ag- agave syrup to keep them sticky together. Uh, but they're super. They're fucking amazing. They're really easy to burn. You can eat them. You're not going to get weighed down. They kick right in, and they're just fast, efficient energy. Uh, Rodacious desserts. Check them out. I dare you, bitch. <laughs> Why do I always have to add the that part? Yeah, follow Rodacious on Rodacious PDX on Instagram, and go to their website, RodaciousDesserts.com. Thanks for checking them out, guys. Guys, go to cleanwitindustries.com. You're going to find some of the best soaps made in the freaking universe. Our friends at Cleanwit make a number of different products, um, ranging from charcoal soaps, bamboo, dead sea salt, bergamot, and turmeric, eucalyptus and red clay, honeysuckle, blue cornflower, a combination of lavender and lemongrass, oatmeal, milk, and honey, Portland IPA soap, a beer soap, get the fuck out of here, a rose soap. Now, I use clean with soap religiously. It really helps me start my day, lather the balls, lather the underarms, and just get soaped up. You know when you're really trying to get that clean feeling? Clean wit. They sponsor us here on the Puck Fortland Podcast. They're great people. What they're doing is 
blooming up here in Portland. So I recommend all you guys go check out cleanwitindustries.com. You know, get a couple bars. Mention the Puck Fortland podcast. See if they give you a deal. They probably won't, but fuck it. It's worth the try, right? My favorite is the charcoal, uh, activated charcoal. Uh, just from my face, I have super oily skin. Um, I know it doesn't look like it. A lot of people say, man, you have great fucking skin. And it's true. Uh, but it really is oily. And it gets, it does weird shit. Um, it's just hereditary. But with the charcoal soap, it seems to really balance out whatever pH uh, balance is going on. I don't even know if that's the right word, pH shit. Um, but what the charcoal soap does is it sort of eliminates that shiny, oily feeling on my skin, but it still leaves it moisturized and still leaves it not breaking out or getting super scaly and dry. So it's my favorite. Uh, I also would recommend hugely is the bamboo, or no, I'm sorry, the bergamot and turmeric. That is my favorite. The, the turmeric, I think, is what really you can feel it in the soap um and it really is invigorating and just like enjoyable to use every morning um so go out there check it out clean wit industries guys there's that's clean wit c-l-e-a-n-w-i-t industries clean wit get clean this episode of the puck fortland podcast is also brought to you by panacea a universal remedy Panacea is a medical marijuana dispensary with a mission. The folks who started Panacea are social justice advocates, growers, and medical marijuana enthusiasts. Through this project, they bring a passion together, and they are committed to donating at least 10% of their profits to social justice causes and special focus on, with a special focus on racial and economic justice and supporting LGBT elders. That's fucking rad. I didn't know that. They are located at 6714 Northeast Sandy Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. And their hours are Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. And Sundays, 11 to 5. Guys, go check out Panacea. They're, so the little like art space that they have as you walk in and you're greeted, sometimes with treats, sometimes they'll have cold sandies for you. Uh, they definitely have always have water for you. There's always some sort of treat or some sort of like sweet gift that they give you when you walk in. Maybe that's just been I've been luck of the draw as I'm walking in there, but every time I've been there, it's been amazing. And they have a cool little art installation where you can sort of hang out and uh, you know pass the time before uh, you get back behind the, the locked doors. Sometimes there's so many people there that you sort of have to wait your turn, and that's just the way it is. Like patience is a virtue. Uh, but once you get back behind the door, if you're uh, welcomed back, uh, you're going to notice how professional, how clean and how dialed in these guys are over at panacea um it just feels like you're walking into like your own living room well i guess i can't say that because some people have shitty fucking houses and shitty living rooms but picture the living room that you want that you're like man i'm gonna i'm feeling super comfortable and there's nice people here everybody's sort of professional and they're asking you questions and, and you're getting exactly what you want so they have a number of different products they have a full range of uh, medical marijuana and recreational marijuana over there. Uh, go check them out. Panacea. I didn't even say bitch or asshole that time. Freak. Panacea. Proud sponsor of the Puck Fortland podcast. Cody Gervasi from Gervasi Gervasi Potato Potato Woodworking. Uh, go check out GervasiWoodworking.com. Uh, and listen to this podcast. He's one of my closest friends and one of uh, the great people of Portland, Oregon. Uh, 
sit back and relax. Enjoy it. It's nice. Hey, this is Cody Gervasi, and you're listening to the Puck Fortland Podcast. some work like some the fire on the mountain we always go to and it's always nice to eat some wings yeah get some blue cheese i'm i'm fortunate enough to to work for a good friend of mine who um has a pretty big shop down like right outside of kenton and i do a lot of work for him during the week and and he lets me use his shop to run my business out of um in Mm -hmm. my spare time which is limited but he's uh he's been doing the reclaim shit for a good 15 years now wow yeah he he knows all the vendors, all the brokers. People you know, people know him around town now, and and we really have done a lot, a lot of buildouts. Uh, stuff's kind of becoming a bit ubiquitous these days. It's it, I mean, it's everywhere. You know, it's kind of a hot word: reclaimed, salvaged, all that shit. But um, is there a lot of people doing that in Portland, or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all over the place. Probably any kind of progressive, artsy seeming yeah. scene is going to want to do something you know it's the hot, hot yeah shit, just like lumber sexual and, yeah uh anything that's so trendy but um did yeah you say it's lumber around sexual? and people are <laughs> what did you say lumber sexual yeah do you not know that one uh-uh. you never heard that uh-uh. oh man it's all over new york times it was uh I, the first time i heard it was um in reference to portland in the new york times i think they may have coined that phrase for uh-huh. us and then somehow it got adopted i don't really know but but it's it, it's that whole image of I mean, kind of how I dressed until I heard it. I was like, "Oh shit, I'm a thing now. I, I gotta quit doing that." But the right. beard and the flannel and the—I mean, there's nothing new about it at all. No, but there's just... a lot of affectations out there of you know fucking kids who go sit at coffee shops in in logging boots and flannel shirts, which that's fine. That's cool. I'm not judging. It's a good look, at least not out loud all the time. Yeah, it's good. It's handsome. It works on a it lot is of fucking handsome. It's you know, it's it works through most seasons, mm-hmm. especially up here. Uh, and it is a Pacific Northwest sort of look. Yeah, I we're probably the front runners for that whole image. Yeah, I suppose. I thought I came up with a new word the other day, hicksters. Hicksters. But it's on the internet. I googled it. Yeah, that's the thing. But I was excited because that's like there's a certain area outside of Portland a little bit when you get into like 185th. Yeah. You go to some like bars out there. Yeah. And uh, you get like it's country kids. Yeah. But they're like hick. They're hip hipsters. Yeah. And it's just like a whole vibe. Yeah, they kind of, I guess, I don't know. If I know what you're talking about, I think I, I think it's like they kind of get the gist of the image down. And they're like, fuck, this is what's cool, right? I got to wear this like this. But then they end up having like flared flared bottom pants or something over Converse or some shit. And you're yep. like, wait, wait a minute. You, you're so what close. What is that? Yeah. What are you doing there? <laughs> it's a little bit of city, a little bit of country. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a good it's a good combo. But I like that uh lumber sexual. Yeah. Well that's the thing about, you know, the internet or or anything these days for that matter, is is anything worth being done or being said is already been done or said. And like the best you can do is either trick people into thinking it was your idea or or improve upon it. Um it was kind of rare that I, I think that a new idea will evolve and someone's going to give you yeah. credit for it. You know? That's not already out there. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. I kind of miss that. That's uh, that's a little bit like hometown was for me. It was, you know, a little tiny, uh, tiny town, tiny coastal town in California that you kind of, like you walk outside and like you, you almost want to carry your hands around in fists all the time just because you're like, no, oh, I don't really know like how this person feels and. And arguably, they're usually angry about something. Who knows what? Work. Yeah, so so going into the those... The hot sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Someone taking their jobs. They took their jobs. Uh, but for whatever reason, I never felt kel- comfortable in that environment. And it's like led to some weird self-conscious shit now, in, you know, as an adult, where I would walk into that place that you were, and I would probably not have a very good time just because i'm worried that someone's going to punch me in the face for being different right but i was in sixth grade we did a line ga- a line dancing week in in pe and i fucking crushed it and yeah. i don't dance like i can't dance at all but that that shit that's like that's like making geometric shapes with your feet i'm like i can I yeah can, it's I almost like crossfit and like slap my heel a couple times behind my back and it's gonna be awesome yeah hop skip clap ha. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you grow up? Uh, it's this little town called Napomo, Cal. Well, I guess it's not little anymore, but it's Napomo, California. Um, when I was there, my parents moved there. I think in '82. I was born in '82. They got together. I was like one of those. You know, they can't afford to separate to have a kid, so they got to stick together to have a kid. So they moved to this little town, Napomo. And uh, when when they moved there, we we lived in this retirement community, but it was all mobile homes. It was all single wide mobile homes on full house lots. So it wasn't a trailer park. I mean, it was on a street, but we lived in a single wide trailer mm-hmm. and, uh, and it backed up to this, um, like mini forest of eucalyptus trees. You know, it's entirely eucalyptus down there. And, uh, and <laughs> I think the week they moved in, they found, um, a decapitated head in the, in the trees. And then, you know, a couple miles down the road or whatever, they found the body. And they're like, yeah, well, don't, don't be walking back in the ukes, folks. Jesus. It'll probably be all right. And then eventually they clear-cut the whole thing and put in a bunch of self-help housing and stuff. And there's a lot of uh, agriculture down there and migrant workers with, you know, a lot of families and stuff. Yeah. Shoot guns in the air any holiday because those bullets never come down. You know, you shoot them in the air and they get into the stratosphere and start orbiting the earth. There's no, there's no danger of those bullets ever coming down to hurt someone, so... That whole story. Right? That's a, that's another story. That's, a, that's another. That's that little segment of that story right there was better than the whole entire season of True Detective season two. <laughs> you don't want to get me going on that shit. That's those are hours and hours of my life that Fuck I'm never going to get back. They might as well do a show based on that story that you just told. Yeah, right. They should. I could be a producer. Oh yeah, you could. Say so the the one thing about that show is that uh, Colin Farrell, who I hate. Um, carried a Browning high power in it, and I was like pretty pumped about that. I'm like, that's an, that's an old school man's nine millimeter right there. That's a that's none of this fucking plasticky 
whatever. Not to offend anyone on their high oh, here capacity, we go with the don't get the gun high capacity Glocks and shit. Don't get the gun nuts against Puck Fortland. No, we don't want to do that. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. What's Mo- next? Moving on. What's on the agenda, Eddie? What are you working on now? Like, what are some of the pieces that you're doing? Um, I know you you know you do a lot of the um, construction stuff and the building out places, but as far as your um, your art or per se, or what would you describe? I've seen a lot of the pieces like that. You know, when I lived here, yeah. Um, do you find yourself sticking strictly with like custom furniture or cabinets, or do you do? No, unfortunately, I mean, in an ideal scenario for me i would be able to build spec furniture furniture that i design and i would have enough of a demand for it and audience that people would want to buy it it's kind of like any other wannabe artist who says like, all i want to do is fucking paint a picture and right. someone will buy it and it it honestly it doesn't work that way but i guess what what sets my line of work apart from that is that you know i have a certain skill set that i can go out and i can do whatever i have to do like i I mean, last week, I think I was telling you, I, I was working for a friend of mine who owns a building in um, on the Deacom uh, Triangle or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. The yeah Deacom Square there. Yeah. The, there's a pot there's a pot shop that just opened up. So I, I helped do a lot of the build out on that. And I was like, you know, hanging doors and doing trim. And I was like doing some electrical and shit. So I, I can fill in the voids with my own... Um, when my own business is a little dry yeah. by doing just about whatever. I mean, I'm a licensed and bonded general contractor. Uh, I do that just to make myself, uh, you know, marketable to other contractors. I subcontract out to other people and I've done, you know, shitty MDF trim work on, on track houses, which, which pays really well, but it's, you know, soul crushing stuff. So, so I can do a lot of shit, but realistically all I want to do is sit in a shop and build furniture all day. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I get to do that, and it's great. Um, but it doesn't really pay the bills right now. Hopefully. I'll cut that part out. <laughs> I'm making so much money hand over fit. Let's take that again. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a backlog of about you know six months of just coming right. and meeting with people right. to hear about all the stuff that they want me to do for them. Right. Um, Most of the... Uh, the cabinets you build are fixed gear single speeds, aren't they? <laughs> they totally are. They're uh, Columbus SLX tubed fixed gear single speeds. Uh, sliding replaceable um, track ends on them. And, uh, yeah, always pump up that you're way too busy. Like with this podcast, I have like 35 shows pre-booked already. So the whole year is pretty much yeah, it's straight to the you. end. I'm, uh, I'm glad that I'm an old pal of yours and I was able to just kind of call you on a whim and get over here because we're both big shots in our in our respective Perspective, industries yeah. yeah yeah well this is going to be you're the uh episode 11 uh on the first one that's on itunes soundcloud and um where people can not only go to the website but they can also go to uh itunes and find puck fortland on itunes the world wide web man which is pretty cool that's that is pretty cool i don't know what all those things mean that you just said but it sounds fascinating i can't wait for people in zimbabwe to hear me they really can having like lived with you and probably you know seen more subtle nuances of your lifestyle than than most people out there oh, and uh, mostly anybody yeah maybe <laughs> that's that's another that's a whole other podcast <laughs> uh but it's pretty exciting for me to like see because you've been talking about this for a long time and i mean now you're 11 episodes deep and i don't know how many followers you got but but you're still doing it which means you're still motivated and that yeah. means that other people are listening which is fucking awesome oh yeah i'm gonna do this whether 
people are going to listen. Even but, if it's just for you, yeah. Yeah, I love this because just think we're documenting, we're document, documenting. Documenting? What is in this drink we're drinking? I need a refill, oh, actually. Do you? Okay, hand it over. Give me that thing. So my wife's in, uh, my wife, Amy, Amy Darling, is Hi. in. Hi, Amy. Is in Chicago right now. Actually, Kankakee, the town that she grew up with, uh, with my niece, who is like the most darling aspect of my life right now, or probably forever. Seems how, well, lots of stuff. But the best, I, you know, I I spent when I moved up here, I had California plates, and um, people treat you a lot differently with California plates. And it, it, for a long time, I like I kind of. I, I had a certain degree of disdain um, towards that notion, and then I changed my plates to Oregon plates, and then you know I start, you know things change a little bit. People then, start waving. Yeah, and then you realize you're like, fuck, I don't, I don't really want to be one of these like passive joy. You know, people seem to get. All right, I might go off on a let's on do a it tyrant right now. This but, is the best part. Well, this being uh, just for your information, this was the first real rainy day we've had in a long time and uh this year in particular was was pretty dry uh comparatively to the to the ones that i've experienced here Mm -hmm. but always with the advent of the first rain of the season comes a lot a lot of retardation from from drivers in general they they get behind the wheel and they kind of forget what they're doing altogether and not well I guess I should mind my P's and Q's a little bit. Don't even bother. Well, the Oregon drivers, you know, they they spend a lot of time in the car, not really doing anything, as far as I can tell. Like they get they they wake up and it's kind of almost a routine for them to get in the car and they they don't have an agenda. They're not trying to get anywhere, as far as I as another driver, as far as I can tell, they're not trying to get anywhere. Being behind these people, they they're semi swerving into the other lanes. They're obviously looking at their phones they're pointing at things out their window and kind of veering towards them it's like being on a bike and you know it it takes a little while to train yourself that when you look over your shoulder that you don't turn left into traffic because that's uh, inherently what you want to do physically without looking yeah exactly uh where was i going oh yeah the california yeah well anyway so it's just there's something about california drivers are at least i mean they're assholes and they're and they're in in their own little bubble, but at least they're assertive. They're looking. They're looking at what they're doing, and they're trying to do it in, in a timely manner. And they're you trying, know? yeah, they're trying if, to get there. If there's a number on a sign, and that number says forty, they're not doing twenty-five. Yeah. But in Oregon, they're doing twenty. What, whatever they want. Yeah, uh, it's, that's that's frustrating for me, and I think that's something that's never going to go away. I mean, ideally, I wouldn't have to drive a car that much. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, being in the line of business that I am, I can't, I can't yeah, realistically. Yeah, you drive have to have a truck. Yeah, and I gotta drive it to work because I don't know what the day holds for me. I'm mm-hmm. either gonna, have, you know, I'm gonna have to go get a load of something at some point. So mm-hmm. I, I gotta drive the truck, and hopefully I don't have to drive more than you know five to ten miles in a day, which that turns out to be the case. Yeah, but I still, I still have to drive. Yeah, and it it sucks a lot. A good question I was going to ask about where do you get back to your woodworking? Um, where do you get a lot of your reclaimed wood, or how do you go? Is how do you get into that network of people that are like, oh, we're we're because I know you've gone to places where they've knocked down really old barns, and you're like, you're getting great wood yeah. that's like been seasoned and 
you know, it's really old and worth it's, you know, it's workable. Right. Yeah. Um, that's pro- uh, it's probably just being in the business and knowing the people and right soirees, wine but, parties. <laughs> totally. Again, for me, it's it goes back to the dude I work for, and I'll uh, I'll plug him just for the fuck of it. But Justin Wrightout, a uh, good friend of mine, like I said, he's been in the business a long time, and um, he's gotten to the point where he he has people who go all over the state, um, or actually oh, wow. Pacific Northwest wow. in yeah. general. He doesn't have these people, but like when they when they tear something down, they he's usually on the phone call list when they say, you know, I've got I've got a thousand board feet of you know cedar shiplap off right. off so and so, or I've got you know I've got these big twelve by twelves that just came out of a barn and mm-hmm. up in Pendleton or something like that. And right. He calls them. And he's like, okay, well, what do you want? And, you know, work out a deal, and they drive the flatbed down and drop it off. Um, unfortunately, it's it's kind of come down to it it's all the, the demand is a lot higher so it used to be people would people would get ascertain you know your information from someone else mm-hmm. and they would call you and say hey you know i've got this barn do you want it i need it off my property and you're like yeah sure whatever and you go out and get it and you know, taking down a barn is a it's a like it's a it's a feat of science yeah you know? well especially things, if you're going to reclaim the stuff it's a different it's a different monster if you're just tr- demoing it yeah you know well yeah to to a big degree absolutely you know if, if you want to just mow through it with a bulldozer then sure you end up with a bunch right. of toothpicks and you, and you can just burn it or vacuum something them yeah. Up. totally yeah uh you know if you want to disassemble something um you can number think say for instance you wanted to disassemble a barn to re-erect it in in another location so because you can take the main skeleton and actually like rebuild the frame you really can do yeah, that yeah, you, yeah. there are there are companies out there that will um label and number everything and because i'm sure um, photo the, document their yeah. their uh deconstruction and then they'll they'll put it up in another location mm-hmm. and it comes and it looks like it like it grew there you know right We're, we fall kind of in between where we want the material but we don't need the structure uh we do need usable pieces of wood so right. you, you can't just you can't just hit it with thor's hammer and and hope for the best you know you, you got to be mildly meticulous and and thoughtful mm-hmm. when you disassemble a barn and that's super fucking time consuming um as i found out i haven't been on many of the actual takedowns but yeah. the ones i have been on they're they're excruciatingly you know time consuming and physically laborious there's the yeah the sticks it, it's all and that's the thing i mean it's for the most part it's all useful stuff it all has um it all has value in in my line of work you know mm-hmm. you, can, you can use different parts of it for everything and you and it's really the the end of the line is you know the end of your creativity as far as that stuff goes you can cut up beams into you can resaw them into tiny little half inch rips all day long and mm-hmm. then put a texture on that and then stain it something and then send, i mean sky's the limit really all all you have to do is have have the medium to work with pretty Mm -hmm. much and so so like i was saying my boss is uh um he's he's pretty deep in the business being in it for as long as he has so he has people that call and come by from time to time but that being as popular as it is now sometimes we have to go out and find it for ourselves and that means going to places like uh um salvage works and kenton um even the rebuilding center, um, like he's got ins with, like he's known all those people for for over a decade now, uh, and even to the point where, you know, they're they're business 
they're businesses that like make their money selling shit to the public. Mm-hmm. But there are guys that work there that will call him if they get something in that he knows. That so anyway, I I've got this pretty slick avenue through him to all these other people who otherwise would treat me like a regular, you know, Joe Blow walking in off the street asking for a pile of two by fours, roughs on two by fours to right. you know clad my kitchen in or right. something like that. So it's been in in that respect, I've. I've kind of got a step up on a lot of other people that are that are as new to it as I am, right. which isn't to say I'm new to it. I've been doing it for a long time. But right. anyway, yeah, it's a uh, it's not that hard for me to get a hold of stuff that I. So, yeah. Tell me about the tattoo stuff, man. That's always that's another interesting aspect of your life that I'm. That was a fun. That was another like idealistic trail that I followed for a little while when I was younger. Um, it was easy to get into. I was. Uh, I had gotten my first tattoo on my 18th birthday for whatever reason. I guess, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be part of that, like, badass car culture kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just because the area that I lived in was pretty closed-minded and, and like, everyone had a big chip on their shoulder. And I was, I looking back and being here in Portland now, I realized that, that I knew I never fit in. But at the time, I was just like, okay, I got to play ball. So anyway, I had... Um, I'd gotten this tattoo and then I had, I, I got a couple more shortly thereafter, uh, until the, um, the guy who was apprenticing there, uh, you know, asked the owner if, if they wanted someone to like stay in and make needles and clean the floor and shit like that. Now, is this in Pismo? Is this in that area or Napa? Yeah, th- this is, uh, this was in Grover Beach. The name of the tattoo shop is Deep Blue Tattoo. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. Still, you still talk to those guys ever? Uh, you know, I went there last year and I got my first tattoo in a long time. It was a it was a piece for my nieces, uh, Penelope and Sophia, um, and it was kind of important to me that I got it from the owner, um, who ended up being one of my like many father figures. I I had this epiphany a couple months ago that I that I just collect these father figures around me for whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of psychological shit. My therapist helped me through some of it, but. But I'm attracted to like getting the uh, um, the gratitude of older men and like proving to them that I'm anyway. Mm-hmm. So the guy I worked for at the time was several years older than me, and he was one of the first that that like noticed that I he thought I had something special enough to take me under his wing and make me his apprentice. So so I ended up working at the tattoo shop for two years um, as an apprentice, and I. Uh, you know, I probably did 150, 200 tattoos, um, in that time period. And it was, it was kind of a rough pivotal developmental time for me. My grandfather died who I was really close to. And, um, you know, I'd started smoking weed a lot for the first time. And like, it was all very confusing. My dad was, uh, was married to what at the time was his fourth wife. And we didn't get along that well, and uh, you know, is is really complicated. For in in hindsight, it wasn't, and as a first world complaint, it's not that legitimate in my opinion. But for me at the time, it was it was weird. Um, ultimately, the tattoo shop didn't work out. I, I ended up like farming a pretty shitty kanji on on a local cop, and my boss had seen it. He's like, "Yeah, that that's not going to heal up too great. Uh, I think you better find something else to do." He's like, yeah, I, I guess I agree with you to a, to a large degree. Right, right. You saw it coming. You but saw- uh, but yeah, we remained friends. Um, the other apprentice that was there, who is probably, uh, I got, I guess he was probably 
four or five years older than me at the time seemed like a pretty pretty well-to-do adult and looking back definitely wasn't and has fallen upon hard times by his you know own poor judgment but my boss at the time was a really good guy and i and i i really still appreciate him taking the time to take care of me jay munger is his name he's the owner of the shop uh and i go back and see him every now and again but yeah that was a weird time it, it was kind of it was probably the only time in my life i'll ever be able to say yeah i was a professional artist well how old were you at the time i was um I think I worked there from age 20 to 22. Oh, those are some formidable years. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great time to be like putting things on people permanently. <laughs> Cody, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Puck Fortland podcast. We're doing that again. Uh, <laughs> it's my pleasure, Edward. Um, there's no place I'd rather be right now. Go to Javasi and listen to the upfalling podcast.